Welcome back to Unreliable Narrators, where we narrate things unreliably. I'm Kiara. And I'm Maggie. Hey, hey, Maggie. Yeah? What's Here's up? Here's a riddle for you. I have a riddle for you, okay? You have a riddle for me. Yes. What do pants and plants have to do with writing? When you're writing, you can... Look at your plants that you have on your windowsill because you're too busy to take care of anything that's actually living. So plants are mostly sustainable on their own. So you take care of those instead. And you should usually be wearing pants. But some people elect to not do that because they're in the comfort of their own home and they can do what they want. (laughs) I mean, that's better than the actual answer, honestly. (laughs) So I like that. But no. Oh, that wasn't the real answer? No, it was not. Oh, well, then tell me, oh, wise one, what the real answer is. Oh, okay. That was like such a terrible segue to be like, hey, what do, <laughs> what do plants have to do with writing? Do you want me to try to do you one better? <laughs> sure. I don't know if I, I, I can't even think of anything now. Great. This is, this is good. We're off to a this, great start, this everybody. Is, this is quality content listen, that you all listen. subscribe for. Kiara can't cut any of this out because this is what real podcasting is like. It's calling someone when you've both had a day and you're just like, how are we going to segue into this topic? And then you make a bad joke and you just roll with it. So anyway, what are we talking about today? We're talking about writing and the writing process. You're going to have to be more specific because there's a lot of things that are in the writing process. I realized that as I was saying it, it was like, oh, that's, that doesn't make sense. So basically, you and I are both writers, and that's correct. How long ago, like a week or so ago, we were talking about the different ways that we approach our writing and how we like build our worlds inside of writing. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe that National Novel Writing Month or NaNoWriMo, I believe they were the ones that coined. The terms that I'm about to talk about? Eh, I don't know if they coined them. It, I don't really know where those terms started, to be honest. Well, why don't you tell the audience what they are first before we discuss their origins? So there's two main ones, and then depending on what belief you subscribe to, sort of a third. <laughs> depending on your religion. <laughs> uh, that was another thing, like, as I was saying it, I was like, mm, Maggie's gonna make fun of this. But what beliefs you going. subscribe to? <laughs> uh, and so there are two terms that are used inside of the writing community and describing writers as either pantsers or wait, plotters. Plot. Wait, why did I have to? What did I say about plants? Oh crap! I totally messed up the intro. <laughs> I meant oh goodness i meant the plotters and then the pant but i did the plant the planters part i mean people will say planning as well planning or plotter as opposed to a pantser which okay (laughs) i hate the term pantser i know it comes from like you know the idea of like flying by the seat of your pants but it's a terrible term and i hate it so much okay but where did the flying by your seat of the pants even come from though because like what does it even mean like i mean i know what it means you mean like like the, the idiom yeah, find out. Okay, almighty Google, we all bow down to you. I subscribe to the Google religion, actually. I forget who's in charge of Google. I almost said Jeff Bezos, but he's Amazon. What am I looking for? <laughs> <laughs> oh, flying by the seat already of your 
pants. Okay, while right, she's looking hold on. that up. Okay, wait. phrases. All right, we don't want the Urban Dictionary. Um, we've got w- wiki Wiktionary. I think that's how you say that. Let's see. Okay, that doesn't help. Okay, phrases.org.uk is going to help us out. What is the origin of the phrase, fly by the seat of your pants? Fly by the seat of your pants is parlance from the early days of aviation. See, you know it's from the UK because we're using fancy words like parlance. Anyway, aircraft aircraft initially had few navigation aids and flying was accomplished by means of the pilot's judgment. The term emerged in the 1930s and was first widely used in reports about this one pilot guy. I don't know. It doesn't really... I guess it just means like... You're just kind of going on instinct. You're not actually using, like, any tools or anything. Like, you know, like, it, you can't actually... I don't know, okay? The pants part is what trips me up. Like, well, what do the pants it, have to do with it? Because the the joke is that they don't have to do with anything. Does that make sense? What a no show. Okay. Has a, <laughs> like, like the, the idea is that the pants have nothing to do with flying, so flying by the seat of your pants basically means you're improvising and you're going like off of instinct. You're not actually using the tools that you would actually use to fly to fly. Oh, that, that makes sense. sense. And so you could insert anything in there. So instead of the seat of your the, pants, but you can fly by the seat of your marshmallow. Well, the seat of the pants is the whole noun of the phrase. That's the object. I'm sorry. I'm just. I'm just contemplating the fact that I just said the seat of your marshmallow. Yeah, that that didn't make any sense, actually. And like you said, it's been a day. <laughs> it has been a day. So, so, so the terms planner, I'm going to use planner because I'm going to keep messing up and saying planner. Okay. So, planner, no. Planner? You try to explain it instead. Okay, I'll explain it. So, <laughs> basically, the writing community uses these two words terms you can either be a planner which is someone who outlines their writing projects beforehand they like to have a pretty solid idea if not a complete idea of where their project is going before they even start writing that project then on the other hand you have people who are pantsers who as the term suggests and as we discussed for longer than we should have um, who fly by the seat of their pants when they're writing in that they usually have a very, very vague plan, if any plan at all. And they just kind of go with the flow. They write on instinct. They're like, yeah, this sounds good and just go with it. And they usually tend to refine their writing more as a- after after the project has been written, as opposed to a planner who might tend to do the, the refining up front rather than afterwards. So In other words, it's not saying that, like, oh, people who plan ahead automatically write better stories. It's that the kind of the order in which you do things part as the writing process is a little bit different. Yes, and then a new term (laughs) has also sort of sprung up as well, which is a mixture of the two. Like I mentioned, plantser, I think is what they call it, a plantser. Plantser, which Which has nothing to do with plants. I don't know why I made that plants connection at the beginning, honestly. It did not it didn't work, but uh, so it kind of is the best of both worlds in some ways. It mixes the kind of spontaneity of the pantser mixed with some structure and planning associated with planners. And I don't know, I feel like most writers probably fall into plants. They're like, I don't think 
people are too extreme one way or the other, but there are people, you kind of lean more one way or the other, just like me, like extrovert and intro- introvert, that whole debate. I feel like it's uh... rare like on the, you know, complete end of the extrovert spectrum, they're like all in, all extrovert, or someone's completely an introvert, all on the other end of the spectrum, like you're going to be in varying degrees, you might lean mm-hmm. more towards one, but you're not going to it's not going to be like this weird all-in thing most of the times. I'm yeah. sure there are people that could be like all extrovert all the time. Mm-hmm. That is not me. As we were talking about it, you and I realized that we l- both lean to different sides of the spectrum, but complete opposite sides of the spectrum when we're talking about planning versus pantsing. Yeah, so we both kind of are on different ends of the writing spectrum here. I tend to be more of a planner. I wasn't always like that. But I do tend to be that way. I like to be organized. I like to have a plan of where I'm going. Sometimes I just wing stuff. Like certain, like if I think about my academics, sometimes I just wing it. Like if if I have to write a five-page paper for a class that doesn't really count towards my major, I usually just wing it. I don't go in with a huge plan and I try to fix it after the fact because it's not as important to me as other things and other classes that I might be taking. But like in terms of my own writing projects, I do tend to plan ahead or at least have a pretty good idea of where I want a story to end up before I begin it or at least know the direction that I'm heading. The one writing project that I'm working on right now, I have kind of an outline. Yeah, I don't know. You have a pretty good outline. I have I have an outline and it is going somewhere. Um, and I try to write things in a way that yes, I'm leaving room for improvisa- improvisation. Ha, that's the word, improvisation along the way. So, for example, if I get to a scene and I'm like, I don't really need this, or oh, I wasn't expecting this character to be here, but I guess they are, and I wasn't thinking about that when I wrote this outline. So, how are we going to change it now? So stuff like that, like there's room for changes and room for improvement or changes in a negative direction, which sometimes happens because I ignore my own advice, but it doesn't necessarily mean that, yeah, I like to have a plan, but I like to leave room for changes. So that's, that's it. That was a very long winded way of explaining something that shouldn't have taken that long. (laughs) (laughs) Well, on the subject of like writing things in school, in high school, I never made outlines for my projects unless it was required. Like, for example, if we had to submit an outline Mm. for review, then I'd make an outline. But I never did otherwise because I don't know. I've just kind of always been that way. I'm like, I'll do it when I do it and I'll figure it out along the way. And I'm pretty much exactly the same when it comes to writing creatively. I... I get ideas, and I want to write those ideas now, and so I often end up with a lot of really random, not even technically connected scenes with different characters and different, like, time periods of the story, like, when this character was five, and now all of a sudden, even on the actual book, they're, like, 22, and I'm like, (laughs) I don't know how I got here, and I think that it's partially because Like I said, I get excited about ideas, and I just want to explore them. And then I believe I mentioned this in a prior podcast, but I'm more character-focused than I am plot-focused. So I want to get to know the characters 
as much as possible as soon as possible, which sometimes means I neglect what they're actually doing in the plot. I'm just like, we're going to hang out and we're going to be best friends from now on. So let's do but, that. But being character focused and exploring character through see like you mentioned you were like oh i write this scene where the character is five years old even though like in the actual story that i plan to write they're 22 wouldn't you say that exploring a character in that way is a form of planning because you are preparing for the the story that you aim to write someday right i think and i think to some extent but i feel like at the very least for me it's less that i'm planning for something or that i'm specifically doing this because this is going to help me it's mm-hmm. just i have this idea and i want to do it which to me strikes me more as kind of that fly by your seat of the pants this interests me i want to do it but i mean i'm sure that the lines between them can kind of bleed together sometimes yeah because i mean it does oftentimes it does things like that do help me as i go further but i definitely do sometimes neglect the actual overall plot and story and world building in favor of just getting to know the character, which isn't always bad. Cause I mean, mm-hmm. I will say that I think that I usually get to know my characters very, very well. And so it's not only easier to write them. I, I was going to say I have less issues with them, but they're, they're all still jerks. They all <laughs> they have, have issues. Problems. Don't we all? And so there are good things and bad things. But I think that's I think that's true for both planning and pantsing. I think that there are good things about both of them and then bad things about both of them. And you would think that being a planter in the middle would just solve, you know, would just give you the best of both worlds. But I feel like even then, you're still, no matter what happens in writing, you're always screwed as the writer. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> as a planner... What are some of the things that you think are good about being a planner and things that, not necessarily bad, but just are more difficult for you as a planner? I mean, I like that I have a sort of roadmap going into things. I like that I feel prepared when I start a project and I feel like I don't have, I feel like I can get more in, when I actually start writing something. I feel like I can get into the rhythm of writing it and not have to stop to answer dumb questions along the way. Like, I don't know. Sometimes that does happen. And I just am like, here's um, an elephant that I have to fix later because, you know, the elephant in the room. So, like, I'll be writing something and I'm just like, hmm, I wonder, like, what. So I'm working on a fantasy story project thing right now. And one of the, like, say I'm writing a scene, I'm like, gee, I wonder what language they speak in this country. I've already figured that out ahead of time, and I don't have to make it up as I go. Sometimes I do make things up as I go, because I can't plan for everything, because I'm not perfect, surprisingly. But, like, I enjoy feeling prepared. I enjoy being able to get into the flow of writing and not have to stop and, like, think about things too much. Like, huh, I guess I should research that. Well, let's do it right now, because I'm easily distracted. So I do like that part of it. As for what's challenging... I think, and this this is kind of a personality thing, not that that's an excuse. I was ranting to Kiara earlier about um, using personalities as an excuse, like how introverts use their introvertedness as an excuse for not being a functional human being. And I can say that because I'm an introvert and I've done it. Sorry. So like, that's not an excuse, to, but it is like, for me, I am easily distracted, as I said. 
So things like if I do something as part of my planning process, like, oh, maybe I should really develop um, the culture of country X or country Y. And I might get so wrapped up in that and so wrapped up in the planning that I never actually get around to writing the story. So, but because of that, I do like to use um, programs like competitions like NaNoWriMo or Camp NaNoWriMo, because even if I don't win, that does give me a definitive starting and ending date to say, hey, this is when you need to start doing this thing. And I can hold myself accountable to that date and not just get distracted in the planning and planning and planning and never actually writing. And I think the other downside to it, too, is I... Like I said, I do try to leave room for myself to be flexible, but sometimes I feel guilty about deviating from my plan because I have problems. So I do sometimes find it hard to be like, okay, how do I change this so that it fits the story while still sticking to what I originally intended to do? So, okay. Yeah. What about you, Kiara? How do you feel like if since you're more of a since you're more of a pantser, what do you see as the benefits and drawbacks of that? Oh boy. Well, the definite drawback. I love how I'm. Just, you started with all the positives, and I'm just like, man, what what sticks about being a plan a pantser? The big drawback for me is that I get stuck a lot because I'm running so much on inspiration and excitement of the idea and motivation that sometimes I lose that, and then. I don't have anything pushing me forward. And then I can also get stuck because kind of like you were saying, I want to write something, but I don't have this, this, and this figured out yet. And then it just frustrates me because I want to write. I don't want to stop and figure that out. But I also didn't want to figure it out like two months ago when I probably should have either. And Mm -hmm. when it comes to, especially when it comes to like world building, my self-esteem is like, gets like super low because I'm like, I don't even know what this country's name is yet and i've been calling it not spain for the longest time just because i'm basing it off of spain and that can be really difficult for me what i think is beneficial is that oh boy is there anything beneficial about being a pantser there has to be i think that the story can develop very naturally and characters can develop Mm -hmm. very naturally when you're pantsing now i'd that was the wrong verb. I wasn't um, going to comment on it. <laughs> I was just going to let you go on that one. I appreciate it, but I still caught myself. And I was like, nope, that, nope, nope, nope. That's not what I meant. Not being so self-aware. I don't remember what it was. Oh, not the planners. Like, I don't want people to be like, oh, well, planners are so rigid and strict. And so their, you know, stores are all compacted and they can't grow and change because they can. I believe that all writers honestly their stories grow and change and the characters grow and change as they write them what like even J.R.R. tolkien or tolkien depending on how you think his name is pronounced i don't know he people will point to him because he is he like created his own language and he had this amazing world building and lore and ideas and spent so long so long and so much time crafting like lord of the rings after the hobbit and there's just so much that's awesome in it and a lot of people look at him and say whenever you're especially when you're doing fantasy that he is one of the people to like aspire to be 
But one thing that people don't, I think people sometimes look at it as he had it all figured out. He knew exactly what he was doing and when he was doing it and how it was going to work. And he never strayed from it. But one of my favorite things, I forget where I read it, but it was a letter from Tolkien to one of his friends while he was writing The Fellowship of the Ring. And he's talking about, oh, this is no what I'm doing. And then, like, in the middle of it, he's like, but I was writing this one chapter, and suddenly this character named Strider appeared, and I don't know why he's here in the story, but he's here, so apparently he's gonna do something. And, of course, that's a paraphrase of it. But I love that because it shows that even a writer that you look at and you're like, whoa, they had everything figured out characters still do whatever the heck they want like they're gonna Mm -hmm. come in go out of the story change grow and it is so that was again that was kind of a tangent my point there was i don't want it to come off like oh planners are so strict but i do think that there is just a natural flow and a little bit more of like this just easygoing nature with a pantser because it's just well well, let's write whatever i want to write today and you you tend to be more adaptable. Yeah. And so like I'm just like well the character decided they didn't want to do this today. What are we going to do now? What's going right. to happen now? And yeah. I'm trying to get better at planning because I do think that's something I need to get better at because I keep getting stuck because I don't have information. And so this year in general, I've been completely starting one of my stories that I've had ever since I was like 12 I've been completely overhauling that story redoing everything pretty much starting from scratch and that has been extremely difficult because when I first created it I didn't have a good foundation when it came to world and lore and plot the plot was horrible just barely even existed it was just oh my and now I'm having to work through that and even now I'm realizing that things that I thought were part of the plot maybe aren't because I was actually talking to you the other day and I'm like I think this story may not even focus on you know the subgroup of characters I thought it was going to now all of a sudden I feel like it's about this other group and so like I don't even know what I'm doing half the time Mm -hmm. but do any of us really know what we're doing any of the time? No, especially not if you're a writer. Nope. Never That's know. Fact. Them's the facts. Real quick, I don't know if I'll keep this in, but I'm I am going to look real quick, see if I could find that actual letter from Tolkien about Strider. Hey there, Editor Kiara with a real quick note. As I was editing the podcast, I actually did find the letter from Tolkien talking about Strider and the other characters that he didn't realize were going to be part of the plot of a story. There's a whole part that I cut out of the podcast of me trying to find it, but I ultimately failed. So I thought I would include the paragraph right here real quick for you guys so you can hear it. I will also be putting it in the show notes below. So it was actually from the estate of Tolkien, the letters from his estate. And it is a letter to the poet W.H. Alden in 1955. I was actually incorrect. It wasn't during the Lord of the Rings. It was actually after he wrote Lord of the Rings. But it still talks about things that he was experiencing during it. Tolkien says, But I met a lot of things in the way that astonished me. 
Tom Bombadil I knew already, but I had never been to Bree. Strider, sitting in the corner at the inn, was a shock, and I had no more idea who he was than had Frodo. The minds of Moria had been a mere name, and of Lothlorien no word had reached my mortal ears till I came there. Far away I knew there were the horse lords on the confines of an ancient kingdom of men, but Fangorn Forest was an unforeseen adventure. I had never heard of the House of Oral, nor of the Stewards of Gondor. Most disquieting of all, Saruman had never been revealed to me, and I was as mystified as Frodo at Gandalf's failure to appear on September 22nd. I knew nothing of the Palantiri, though the moment the Orthanc stone was cast from the window, I recognized it, and knew the meaning of the rhyme of lore that had been running in my mind. Seven stars, and seven stones, and one white tree. These rhymes and names will crop up, but they do not always explain themselves. I have yet to discover anything about the cats of Baruthio. But I did know more or less all about Gollum and his plan, and Sam, and I knew that the way was guarded by a spider. Basically, just going back to what I had said originally in the podcast, that even Tolkien didn't always know what he was doing and didn't have everything planned out. So most writers, all writers really, no matter that you're a planner or a pantser, are going to have things that happen that you have no control over, even though you should, because you're the god of this world. But nope. Everyone does things that you don't want them to do. So I just wanted to make that a quick note. We're going to go back to the podcast. Basically what happened was I, in vain, tried to Google for the answer, don't find the answer, and then I just let Maggie take it away. Thanks. Enjoy the rest of the podcast. First of all, confession. Um, I'm a bad Christian homeschooler in which I never read The Lord of the Rings or The Hobbit. I haven't finished The Chronicles of Narnia either, so sue me. I'm sorry. I'm a disappointment to everybody. But I remember reading, this was a tweet, it was probably from Victoria Schwab, because she's the author that I follow who tweets the most, who said something like, if writing doesn't get harder, you're not growing. And I don't know why I thought that was relevant when you were talking earlier, but I wanted to mention it just in the way that, you know, if you're not pushing yourself to try and do things like if you had just stuck with your idea that you were working on, like since you were a kid, and if you had just stuck with that and chosen to say like, no, this has to be the way it is because this was how I intended it to be when I was eight years old, then you're not really letting yourself grow as a writer and try new things and be like, huh, maybe that doesn't make sense to anyone over the age of you know, seven. So stuff like that. I know, I think one thing I would say about you particularly is definitely you're a persistent writer. I think you tend to stick with an idea more than I stick with an idea. (laughs) Because there are things that like, I wrote when I was younger, and I'm just like, you know, screw this. I, I don't have the time or the patience to do this. I'd rather start fresh. Because I get frustrated with my younger self. And like, not to say that you don't do that. I just, from knowing you, you tend to stick with your ideas for longer. And I just don't. I don't know if that's a planning versus pantser thing. I, yeah, I don't know what that is. But I do think that is a good quality that you have in terms of your writing. Oh, well, thank you. You're welcome. I have a million ideas and... Maybe it doesn't seem like it, but I do at times just go from thing to thing. I guess the thing she with does. Me is that I, I go to thing, from thing to thing, but I guess a lot of the ideas that I have are still there. And sometimes I still am coming back to them saying, okay, I've been away from this for a while. Now let's figure you out. And maybe that, I guess I never really thought of it that way, that I am very attached to the ideas I have. And so they're kind of always a part of me 
even if I'm working on something else. Because there are so many ideas. I have a document. It's probably a little outdated. But I have a document where I wrote down, like, every single one of the ideas that I could remember conceivably in the last, I don't know, maybe, like, decade of writing. And maybe, like, five years, actually. And there are so many of them that aren't even past, like, conceptual stages. But I like the idea, and I want to come back to them someday and see if I can make something out of them. I will say, though, that for you as a writer, something Uh-oh. that She's going to compliment me, and I'm not going to know how to react. Well, you don't have to react, but you... You're... I, I wish I was a planner sometimes whenever I look at you and how you plan things. Because Aww. even though it does take a while, because you have to figure everything out... Your world building is so involved and so beautiful and complex, and I want to do that, and I don't do that, and that I'm just like, I, w- I want to be like you, and that's something don't that's very like important. <laughs> that's something that's very important for me as a reader. Is I've, I've said before that in order for me to feel like the author has a fully developed world. I need to feel like I could point to any place on the map and even no matter how obscure it is and the author could tell me some stuff about it. It doesn't have to be everything about it, but they could tell me about that place and that specific town or random landmark and maybe some of the history of it or how it's important in the lives of the people. And that's what makes me feel like something is good fantasy with world building. There are some fantasy books I like that I don't quite feel that way about. For example, the Ascendance trilogy by Jennifer Nielsen. I love that trilogy. It's a really fun trilogy. I really enjoy it. First book is the best one, though. Oh, so good. I miss... Sometimes I I forget... Sometimes I forget it's a trilogy, to be honest with you, because I'm just like, ah, yes, there was that book that I read, and I was just like, I couldn't tell you a blessed thing that happened in the other books, but the first (laughs) book is fantastic, and everybody should read it. It's called The False Prince. There's the really cute little kid that I totally forget the name of, though, that's in the second book, and I absolutely love him. He's just a little. I literally do not remember who this is. I cannot even remember his name, honestly. Good, 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 good. I have the books not too far away, but I I don't want to go look. But the excuse that I always use is that I've read so many books, I can't possibly remember all of them. Because it makes me sound like an intelligent person, which I'm really not. But, you know. For me, I'm just like, "Eh, I haven't read in a while, so I don't remember. I No, I know it was I have to keep my English major cred up, you know? (laughs) And, And so with those books, I do really like them. But and there are parts of the world that are well developed, but I don't feel like I could just point to anywhere and Jennifer Nielsen could tell me about the world. Maybe she could, but I don't get that it, feeling. It doesn't come through in her writing, really. Yeah, and then there are books like, you know, obviously Tolkien's books. C.S. Lewis, I would say, seemed to know a lot about his world. And I'm just like, tell me about Narnia and the land of Bree and that one horse from the Horse of this Boy that I really really like, and. I've compared your world building to John Flanagan, who's the author of Ranger's Apprentice, which is a wonderful fantasy series, one of my favorites. And honestly, still haven't read it. Sorry. Someday, someday you will. 
and you will understand. What if I don't? We had this conversation about 21 Chump Street back in the Hades Town episode. <laughs> it's the exact same thing. But what if I don't? What are you going but to I'm do like, about it? Are you going to kick me off the podcast? Because I'll no, sue for damages. I'll be lonely. I can't do three that. cents left in my bank account. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, carry on. What was the, see? I can't even. Compliment. You were talking about you were talking about Ranger's Apprentice, and I said still haven't read it. And you were said one day, and I said, "What if I don't?" Yes, that did happen like thirty seconds ago. That did indeed <laughs> happen. I can't even compliment you because I'm trying to compare you to an author I love, and you're just like, hey, "I haven't." read I can't believe you're just learning this. That I literally cannot take a compliment. I'm just like, "Yes, thank you for those nice words. I literally do not deserve them." Okay. Well, to finish off this long-winded compliment that was way longer than it should have been, because because I yeah. listen, uh, I have a lot of problems. Brains Apprentice is one of my favorite examples of world building and good world building, and I could read this series over and over again. I actually want to reread it like someday soon because I have all the books and I just want to. And your writing. Anytime I, I think about it in relation to, like, an author, I always think of John Flanagan. Because I'm like, yeah, it does kind of give me that Ranger's Apprentice feel. And obviously it's not exactly the same. You have, you know, a different style than he does in writing. But there's a very, there's a similar feel to it, which, in my opinion, is good. And that's something that I wish I could have in my writing sometimes. Because I, I don't know what's happening in, most of the times. I know the characters really well, but I don't know who the king of this country is. I appreciate that you think I know what I'm doing because, plot twist, I do not. Well, how do you make it seem like you do? I need um, to know. There, there's this old saying that was passed down to me from generations. It's called, uh, fake it till you make it. And I've been doing that for a long time. <laughs> no, nah, I'm kidding. I, I do appreciate that. That does mean a lot to me. I can actually take a compliment if you can even believe it. Whoa. Yeah, what a concept. No, I just, it does make me feel better to hear someone say that because sometimes I'm writing these things and I'm like, this literally doesn't make sense. And I don't even think it makes sense to me anymore. I've been staring at this, I was going to say Word document, except I don't really use Word to write anymore, which we should talk about in a minute, actually. I just, I've been staring at this document for eons at the blinking cursor, tempting me, taunting me, telling me that I need to write, but I've only written like four words. I'm just like, is this even worth it? Nobody cares. It doesn't make sense to anybody outside of my brain. And then Kiara's like, this is the best thing you've ever written. And I'm like, really? But, <laughs> I am you know, very much get, get, get you a Kiara, guys. That's, that's the moral of today's episode. Get you someone who understands all the mess that is your brain. Oh, that's really sweet. Yeah. And I feel like also that I've looked over enough of your stuff and helped you sort of edit and work through different ideas enough that you know that if I feel like there's something that doesn't fit or that I don't like, I'll tell you. Mm. And so sometimes I, I am... won't listen. I'm just saying. No. Okay. I, I take okay. I... I take your words into account. Sometimes I'm just like, okay, Kiara. And then I, did I just mute myself? Okay, I did uh, not no. mute myself. I, I thought I had for a second there. This happened to me in workshop in like some of my writing classes and people are just like, yeah, you should change this. And I'm just like, hmm, but what if I don't? And then I don't. I mean, yeah, like I mean, obviously 
there are things that I'm just like, yeah, that needs to be fixed. That's a problem. And then there's other times where I'm just like, you can't always please everybody. And so like, I know not everything I do will always please you. Sorry, I try. But yeah, anyway. I'm pleased with where Quest is going. I'm proud of Quest. I love it. I didn't name it on the podcast. Now you've exposed me. That's not going to be the name of it. You, you exposed said you're gonna name I it have been else. exposed on this podcast. I have been played for a fool. <laughs> I will, I'll say the, the names of my works in progress if you want. No. I mean, you can. You I'm not going to stop you. <laughs> I was just like, wow, you don't want to hear about Crossfire anymore? Okay. Uh, pirates. What were we talking about? Pirates. What were we yeah. talking about? Pirates. Oh, I did want to say, so you recently, as of like three days ago, um, started using a program that I really like called Scrivener. Um, oh, it's so good. Yeah. And so as a planner, this has, like, Scrivener is a godsend. And Kiara, you just started using it. And I was curious to see, like, how you saw something like that, that kind of software fitting into your writing process. For those who aren't familiar with it, I'll quickly explain what it is. Scrivener is, it's a word processor of sorts in which you can do a lot of, you can store a lot of different documents in one file. And so you can store like your draft, your notes, your other documents that go into it. People use it for research projects. And so they'll like store all their research in it and then they can just pull up that file while they're writing their master's thesis or whatever and things like that. And it helps you organize things. You can move um, different chapters around pretty easily. So a lot of writers really like it to help them stay organized and stay on track. And so I've been using it for probably two years now. Yeah, about two years now. And it's helped me stay organized. It helps me keep track of my notes. But Kiara just started trying to use it. A That sounds bad, trying to use it. Kiara <laughs> just started a trial with it a few days ago. And as someone who isn't naturally a planner, I was curious to see what you were kind of thinking about that. I really, really like Scrivener. And I'm glad that's how you say it, because that's how I've been saying it in my head. And I was like, if I mention it in real life to Maggie, I'm not going to know how to say it. I'm just going to be like, screwdriver? Yeah, that one. But with Scrivener, maybe I approach it differently than a planner. I don't know. But for me, I do like it because as a pantser, and especially just in general with my personality and the way I create... I need structure to keep me on track. That's something that I've even mentioned when we originally started the podcast and started, and I made like a list of things we had to do before we could start recording and all that. And I've told people that if I didn't have a co-host and specifically if I didn't have you and with our different personalities and our different work ethics, I don't think I would have gotten done like anything that we got. Because we like got like, so many things done in a week and we were like oh yeah we should be ready in like two weeks to you know start releasing episodes and i'm just like how did we get here this is so cool and with me if i'm kind of alone or don't have that structure i can quickly not even lose interest but just be like i can't do this there's too much so for me having more structure with scrivener which scrivener is still very open like i well, okay, I technically stole your character on Country Sheets, like the profiles. You sent them to me, and I had to make them into templates. And then I, I did indeed in. do that. Yeah, because I was just like, I, I don't know what I want to put in there. It's their name, their age, 
or the, what's their gender. Yeah. In, they... Okay, in fairness to you, it's not like it was something that I just, like, built from scratch. I read a lot of blog posts and just from seeing the way other people talk about, oh, these are things that I think about when I'm developing my characters or my countries or my settings. And then I just kind of compiled all of that into a template that I use for developing things. So I was just, you know, spreading the wealth there. I'm not well, a communist. I, I really appreciate those sheets. So like, you still have to create your own thing. They do have like some like character and country sheets. They were kind of minimalistic though. They weren't my favorite. I liked the one that you sent me because it's just more detailed. Yeah, because I'm a but, chronic overachiever and can't stop. But it still provides that structure in the way that everything is in one place and you can connect it to each other. Because previously, I've just kind of been throwing things into Google Docs, which don't get me wrong, I do really like Google Docs. And I'm going to continue using it for like when I'm out and about and I'm not at my computer and I can't use Scrivener to do something. Or if I just want to write some random scene that I'm like, I don't want that in my Scrivener project file right now. But I would have, you know, random documents with some character names in them and some maybe some personality descriptions or something. And then some other document might have been like a scene, not a profile thing, but might have mentioned a character's age that I haven't mentioned anywhere else. And often I forget things. I can't find them whenever I want to. And Scrivener gives me a place where I could put all of that. So instead of having all these different documents with different characters, different profiles, different scenes and information, I can have like a file that's characters and then I can have all of my characters right there in this, you know, pro Scrivener project file and I can access them quickly. They're all in relatively the same place. And then I can also connect to others. Like, if I'm in, one of my characters' names is Echo. If I'm in his profile and I look down where it shows his family and it mentions his mother and his father's names, I made it so that I can click on his father's name and it'll take me immediately to his father's profile so I can quickly cross-reference things. And right now I'm still, like, building up my Scrivener thingies and so I haven't, like, really used it and referred to it in writing yet, but I do think that I will and that it'll be useful. But for right now, it's useful to see, oh, I still need to decide this, this, and this with this character because I haven't yet, and then I can put it in, and it actually forces me to have a communal place where the information is because otherwise it would just be scattered across the internet and right. notebooks, a million notebooks. Yeah. It is nice to keep everything concise in one place. I still end up using a couple of other things, like when I'm on the go. Now, Scrivener does have an app for iOS devices, but not for Android yet, and I'm feeling a little bit discriminated against. Not really, that was a joke. But anyway, when I'm on the go, I use Evernote as my note-taking app because I can also use it on my computer, and it's very handy. So like, I'll use that when I'm writing on the go, or sometimes, on very rare occasions, I'll write in a notebook. So... There is that, but I love how Scrivener keeps everything in one place because I usually import anything that I've written into that if I feel like it's important. And yeah, I, I, I'm glad to see that you like it because, I don't know, for a while I was kind of like, as a organized, as a person who likes to be organized already, this helps me stay that way. But I wasn't sure if it would have the same appeal for someone who, who isn't a planner by nature. 
So do you think it's helped you become more of a planner or do you think it's just, I don't know, do you think it's just like, it's kind of, I don't want to say enabling, but being able to keep everything in one place allows you to be more of a panther. I'm not sure yet. I think that it is helping me maybe to plan because one reason why it's so hard for me to plan is because to me it's so overwhelming because I'm not just working on this character and getting to spend time with them. I'm trying to figure out all these different tiny little details that I need to know for, you know, a character. Like, I do not know any of my characters' heights or weights yet because I can't, I don't know why, but, like, I'm not good with hearing, oh, six feet tall and being able to, like, visualize how tall that actually is in relation to me, despite knowing my own height. And same thing with weight. I'm kind of, like, I'll just hear a random number and I'll just be like, okay, that doesn't seem, like, super skinny or anything to me. I don't know what that means. I don't know what's average. And I still don't have any of those written down. I was going to last night and I was starting to write down. And then you this did character, not. This character was shorter than this character. And then this character I know was definitely tall for above average. I don't know what that means yet. And that was still a little overwhelming. I don't know what it is with heights and weights. They're very overwhelming for me. But in general, planning is overwhelming because I'm like, I don't know where to start. Do I start, you know, if I'm starting with countries, what country do I start with? Do I start with their government? Do I start with uh, their topography? Do I start with their imports and exports? What am I doing? Who are the people? What is happening? And then I just get overwhelmed that I'm like, okay, I'm just going to go right with the character and I just completely leave it. So Scrivener, I don't know if it's making me a planner, but it's helping to make the planning a little less scary because I, I have a place to put it. And then, of course, you helped too because having templates now of like the country and the character things i have things i can fill out yeah and it might i might look at that and be thinking wow i have a lot i don't know about my characters yet but i at least have it there and then i'm also hopefully i'm also excited that this will have information all in one place because some characters that i've written for years like, one of my main characters, which you, you'll probably know who he is, but I've been writing... So vague. I've been... Well, I don't know if I want to say his name. I don't know. Okay. I just... He's my son. But... Is this the one I don't like? Yes. <laughs> ah, yes. You will okay. like him someday. Kiara and I have a disagreement about one of her characters. I think he's a good character. I personally do not like him. I like I, when I say good character, I think well developed, well rounded. I just don't like him. And Kiara keeps trying to convince me, and I'm like, I will not be swayed because Someday I'm she will a like natural it. contrarian. She will and but she I just like don't like being told what to do, okay? I am anti authority, down with the government, and all that jazz. Well, so is this character. So there you go. You have something in common. Yeah, well, no. <laughs> he just needs love, Maggie. Well, so do I. Do I get any? No. Hey, I love you. Well, thanks. That I wasn't I, fishing for compliments. I was making a bad self-deprecating joke. Anywho, you were talking about this character. I was gonna make. I was gonna say. Well, this character loves you. Then I was like, oh, well, this character doesn't really love anyone. So never mind. Yeah. If you said that, it would have made it worse. <laughs> oh, he's a terrible. That, that was an evil villain cackle if I've ever heard one. <laughs> 
Oh my. So this character, this I character. Have, some of the earliest writings I can find of him were from when I was like 12. And for reference, at the time of this recording, I am 20. So it's been a long time. It's been like seven years. Wait, and what? Uh, what? Did you say 12? You said you were 12. Yes. And then now you're 20, so it would have been eight years. Wait. I said like seven. I can't do math in my head that quickly. I just knew it was some vaguely around that. It's two place values. Okay. Well, anyway. I can't really do math either. I was like, wait a minute. That's not right. I said like seven. Like seven. So, you know, like seven means like maybe seven, maybe eight, maybe like a hundred. Who knows? No, it doesn't mean a hundred. But (laughs) I'm giving you a hard time because I love you. Okay, thank you. I, I was gonna make more references to this character. And I was like, never mind. We're not gonna survive a conversation about no, him. No, we're not. <laughs> it's gonna take too long. We're already so off track. Correct. But we're not. We're not like off track. Like we keep having little rabbit trails, and I keep losing where we are in the conversation. Okay, we went into this podcast. We're like, we knew what we wanted to talk about, but we were just kind of like, how are we gonna talk about this? And I was like, let's just wing it, which is completely against like how I normally do things. But you know, improvising can be good sometimes. So we have no idea what we're talking about. <laughs> I never. Everything is a surprise. <laughs> it's just a fun little surprise. Um, and so with his character, going his back character. to that train of thought. Uh, he has grown and developed a lot, so he has changed as a character. But I've known him for so long that there are things that are semi-consistent with him, like his appearance. But I may have described them differently in different documents, or maybe one terminology that I used in a document has now changed and doesn't. Or I, you know, pictured him as slightly taller with a slightly different shade of hair than he does now and so i like the idea that now with scrivener this can be my official information so you know his appearance which i actually just wrote the other day is it's not set in stone if i need to change it i'll edit it in the scrivener file but it's the official thing it's like the official artwork except for it's not artwork but it is kind of the be-all end-all no matter what anything else says, this is the most accurate depiction of him right now, at this time. And if I want to reference something specific, like his hair color, I don't have to be, like, looking through different things and being like, well, here I describe it as dark brown, but then here I say just brown. Or here I say light brown. What shade of brown is it? Now I have officially decided in the Scrivener like file, chestnut. it's light brown. Now I know. And yeah, you know. I think I described his hair as chestnut one time, like way back when. I was like, chestnut hair. And I, now I'm just like, it's light brown. <laughs> it's just light brown. Don't, I don't need to bother with all these names. It's just, was there anything else we were talking about in this? I don't um, remember why that was the, I think I was talking about why I like Scrivener. I don't know. Yeah. Well, anyway, that wasn't a plug for a Scrivener, although it is worth checking out. I'll tell Kiara to link it in the show notes. So, Kiara, link it in the show notes. I will just say, again, not a plug. We're not sponsored. Nobody likes us that much yet. Um, I think it's my fault. But 
Um, if you participate in NaNoWriMo or Camp NaNoWriMo, so Camp NaNoWriMo takes place in April and July, so you already missed out this year, sorry, unless you're listening to this in a different year, in which case, maybe you haven't. Um, and it also takes place every, uh, or regular NaNoWriMo takes place every November. And if you quote-unquote win, as in you reach your word count goal, one of your prizes, you get a 50% off discount coupon for Scrivener, which is what I did because I'm a cheapskate. But it's definitely worth every penny, at least for me, and they give you a 30-day free trial if you're ever interested in checking it out. So, But back to this whole planning and pantsing idea. Yes. Is there anything else to add on it? (laughs) Oh, is there anything else to be said about it? I'm going to yawn. Hold on. Uh, okay. Then I'm going to make me yawn. Uh, we're both very tired humans. It's 16. It's so late. It is past my bedtime. I even took a nap today, and I'm just... I'm wiped. It's... We're having a time. <laughs> okay, I'm so sorry. What? For a split second, I thought you said, I'm white, and I was just like, I'm That is yes. also true. <laughs> that would also be factually correct. It would not make sense in the context of the sentence I was saying, but it is true. I'm white. Oh, okay. So, so now that we've gotten that out of the way, okay. I don't know what else to say. There's so many different ways of writing, and there's never, I hate prescriptive writing advice. So, like, you ever, someone, it was probably also Victoria Schwab, because, again, I don't follow many authors on Twitter, and she tweets the most. But I think someone was saying something about how there's always stuff like, oh, you have to write this way. Like, this is how you have to write things. You always have to make sure these things are present in your story. Or, like, stuff like, don't use tropes. And I'm like, but sometimes tropes can work. Hey, Kiara back with... Another editor's note, unfortunately our audio started freaking out and not really working around this time. So at one point I was saying something and I didn't get to finish it and then I tried to say it again. So sorry if the next few sentences don't make a lot of sense. We try our best to get back on topic. Thank you again for tuning in. So even with something like grammar or spelling, it's, yeah, it's a rule that should be followed mostly to some extent but there are times where grammar and or spelling in certain situations with book ideas can be somewhat thrown out the window and make something really cool or authentic like even if you look back to the adventures of Huckleberry Finn by Mark Twain he was writing in a specific dialect and so it's all slang it's poor grammar most of the time there's weird spellings and maybe and it can be difficult to read depending on the person reading it but it is unique and accurate and still a really good book and just because it doesn't follow that specific rule doesn't mean that it's not a good book and you were mentioning about tropes Someone could be writing a really interesting satirical novel about tropes, so they have does it to have be- does it have to be satire though? No, it doesn't. I'm just saying, like for example, um, sometimes writers are like, oh, well, you can only have you know one trope or whatever, and you you got to be careful and not have a lot. And I'm saying maybe someone is doing like 
a really interesting like satirical commentary and is doing that or maybe the trope itself isn't always harmful if it's used in a certain way like there are tropes yeah. that i really like that people complain about that i'm kind of like mm-hmm. i don't mind them like yeah. the one that i think about the most is the chosen one trope i actually really really like that one and i like using it too yeah there are some tropes that can be harmful like all like the okay to use the chosen ones as an example and we don't have to debate that right now but oftentimes or at least until fairly recently a lot of chosen one characters kind of all tended to be the same kind of person and so it kind of sets up this idea that oh the chosen one hat if you want to be the chosen one if you want to be the hero you have to fit these specific categories and that's not necessarily true so, like, in that sense, that trope can be harmful in perpetuating this idea that only some kinds of people are special. But, on the other hand, you can use the Chosen One and say, like, oh, what if the Chosen One is... To, to, okay, I'll pick an easy target. What if the Chosen One is a girl instead of a guy? Like, something like that. A lot of Chosen One characters have been male characters. That's them's the facts. Well, but then, like, you see what I'm saying? So, like, in that way, it can be harmful. It's like, oh, the guy is always the hero and the girl is always the sidekick. Well, what if the girl is the chosen hero and the guy is the sidekick? Or what if the chosen hero is not actually a chosen one? Like, they find out that the prophecy or whatever was a lie. And so there are ways that you can still use a trope without completely flipping it on its head that aren't necessarily harmful. Yeah, I think stuff like that, it's just a matter of how you use it, not whether or not you should use it. Yeah, because, like, people have also said before about prologues are boring and they slow down your story and no one likes them. And I'm like, I like a good prologue. There are some prologues that I don't think have been done well with books that I just personally was not interested in. But, like, there are a lot of books with prologues where I'm just like, Ooh, it's given me information I'm gonna have to figure out or use down the line with the character, or I'm gonna know something starting out that the character doesn't, and right. that's gonna be important for whatever reason, reason mm-hmm. X, Y, and Z. And so yeah, I I like tropes when they're used interestingly. Mm-hmm. I like all kinds of things when they're used interestingly. And I don't think that writing can ever be a do this, don't do this. Yeah. It's not it's not an ingredient list where right. you put in the milk and the eggs and the sugar and all of a sudden you got a best-selling novel. It's a lot of trial and error. And I think that's an important part of learning to write. And mm-hmm. growing as a writer is underst- is realizing you don't have to follow all those rules. Right. That you got to figure out what works best for you. Like, even... Uh, with Percy Jackson and the Olympians, which we talked about not that long ago, I remember reading somewhere that was talking about it, and they were like, oh yeah, normally you would not want your character in first-person point of view to just straight up introduce themselves to the reader, because it's kind of jarring, it's a bit awkward, and they talk about how, but Percy Jackson does it. He just straight up goes, you know, my name is Percy Jackson, I'm 12 years old, I go to the school, I have blood. I didn't want to be, but I am. Like, he just goes into it, and that's something that maybe, if, let's say, the author had gotten to maybe other people and had been like, what if my character just introduces themselves? They might have been like, that 
that's stupid, that won't work, it's going to be slow, awkward, jarring, weird, but it worked because of the way that he writes Percy the character. And right. so, like, even, like, a really good book like that, people might still look at it and say, that that doesn't work. Or even yeah. Tolkien, we were talking about him earlier, who writes, like, pages of descriptions of, like, a single tree, and I'm just like, Tolkien, why aren't you doing this? Mm-hmm. I'm sure people might have called him too weird. Yes, maybe sometimes he is, but he's still such a best-selling author and regarded as a really mm-hmm. good author. Yeah. I think, and again, we've been focusing a lot on writing books and stories in that medium just because that's what we both do. But I think it also applies to other storytelling mediums. I think the one example I would think of is voiceover narration in film, um, because a lot of times it's used to do lazy storytelling because it's like, well, here's everything you need to know about this movie before the movie starts. And so people will say, don't use voiceover, when in fact you can use voiceover in a way that works for the film that doesn't treat your audience like you're a bunch of idiots. For my brother's birthday, he really wanted to go see Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So we went to go that. I went, okay, I gotta say, guys, it's a rated R movie. There's a lot of swearing and there's a lot of violence. And I went to go see this with my brother and my parents. And so that was a little awkward. We're just gonna leave it at that. Nah, it was fine. My, I mean, my family's chill, so it all worked out fine. But they use, there are some scenes in that movie that use voiceover, but it works for the movie because it's not, it's not doing it in a way that treats the audience like they're dumb or like it's just info dumping. It's part of the story and it's, um, and it is, I mean, I thought it was comedic. I think it was meant to be comedic. So I, I don't know. I, that was just the most recent example that I could think of. It's rated R don't recommend, don't necessarily recommend it, but you know, good movie, good use of something that doesn't get used well very often. I thought. Yeah, and that brings up the fact that you can use tropes or cliches. You can find a way to twist them or use them seriously. But there also are times you can use the fact that it's a cliche or use the fact that it's a trope for your benefit to make something funnier or more, maybe like make something awkward on purpose because this trope works well with that. The one thing that I'm thinking of, which is actually our next week's episode, is, is Thor Ragnarok. Oh, right. Yes. I have to watch Ragnarok by next week. Yeah. Well, again, I mean, if you don't watch it, you, you've you seen it before. But I have. Ragnarok, it starts out briefly with sort of, it's sort of a voiceover narration. It's not quite like you start hearing, you're like panning down in a... Oh my goodness! Oh, I know what's in your yeah, that thing. Yeah, and the, like the first scene in the movie. Well, actually, it might not be the first scene. I don't remember. It's been a little it while. It is a scene, but you're like the beginning of the movie. You are here. You're hearing Thor talk about like, how did I get here? You might ask. But like, he's like doing that that uh, cliche kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, so I bet I you're, you're wondering how I got, got here. Situation. Yeah, and they Taika Waititi, the director kind of, and I guess the whoever the screenwriter is as well, they kind of flip the trope on its head a little bit because it ends up that it's not really voiceover, it's actually Thor talking to a skeleton while he's captured, and it's very comedic, 
But part of the reason it is is because they set you up for, oh, they're doing this voiceover narration, and then all of a sudden they come in, they're like, nope, this is a different Thor movie. We're funny. And you're just like, okay, I like this. And so, so yeah. So basically, mm-hmm. this podcast, the things you learn from this podcast is Maggie is really good at world building, and Those I love it. Lies. Maggie can't take compliments, but I'm going to keep complimenting her anyway. That is correct. And, <laughs> and there's really no right or wrong way to write. If you're a planner, that's awesome. If you're keep a pantser, you're that's doing. awesome. If you're a planter, awesome too. Just do the best of what you can do and... Don't be afraid to try to learn. Like, I am trying to learn to play a little bit. It doesn't mean that I think being a pantser is bad, but I recognize there are benefits in learning to do something a little bit different. So you don't have to completely disregard what kind of writer you are just to learn some new things. So broaden your horizons. Learn how to pants. Learn how to plan. Learn how to plants. And you'll be a better writer for it. I guess. I don't know. We took a lot of twists and turns and unexpected detours, but eventually got to the result I guess we wanted. I don't know. We're kind of like, you know, it's like writing. Writing, you're writing a story, and whether you're a planner or a pantser, you might make some unexpected turns. Characters might do some weird things. You might take, have a subplot you didn't realize was going to happen, but eventually you're going to get to a story that you're proud of so mm-hmm. full circle <laughs> yeah. you know what you are absolutely right thank you so i would like to know whether you guys are planners or pantsers and even if you aren't a writer or someone who works creatively in your life in general are you someone who likes to plan out things or are you just let's go do this and hopefully we'll have fun i don't know so if you'd like to contact us and tell us whether you're a planner or a pantser or somewhere in between and which one you think is the better one, which I think they're technically both Neither are great, are but if you, make, if you want to try to make an argument for one, you can contact us. Maggie, what social medias are you on? Oh, I am on Twitter, unfortunately. No, I'm on Twitter and you can tweet at me at writer mags. Um, sometimes I tweet about interesting things or sometimes I just vague tweet. Depends on the day. But you should still tweet at me because I will reply because I'm desperate for attention. <laughs> and then I am also on Twitter at Kiara Kami. That's K-I-A-R-A underscore K-A-L-M-E-Y. I either post pictures of dogs and things I like, like books and stuff, or I'm making really self-deprecating jokes about myself. So either way, if you like either of those, go interact with me too. And if you want to interact... No, I was just going to say, I gotta be honest, a lot of my Twitter feed right now is just me retweeting Full Metal Alchemist art. So if you like that sort of thing, you should follow me. And if you'd like to follow the podcast on Twitter, we are at UnreliablePod. 
And you can also shoot us an email at unreliablenarratorspod at gmail.com and visit our brand new website at unreliablepodcast.wordpress.com. Wow, I'm so impressed that you remembered it because I could not. I, as I was saying it, I was like, is this the right thing? And I'm like, well, if not, she'll tell me. And I'm we'll pretty sure it is. Yeah, it's unreliablepodcast.wordpress.com because I didn't Jeez. pay for a domain yet. So be sure to share us with your friends, rate us, review us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, our official website, anywhere. Just please share the podcast. We want to get bigger and to be able to interact with more of you guys. And until next week, bye. Bye.